Today marks the second in our fall sermon series affirming our religious rites and rituals. Last week, we discussed the sacrament of baptism, and we actually had a baptism of a young child. Uh, And today, I want to build upon that by exploring the rite of confirmation. Confirmation is a very important part of the life journey, often for a young person going through that process. And to help us do that, I have invited one of our recent confirmands to come forward and share just a little bit about what confirmation meant to him this past year. And I'd like to invite Jack Engstrom to come forward. Jack is a junior in high school, and it was a real pleasure to have Jack in the class and to get to know him better. And he's going to take just a quick moment to share a little bit about what confirmation meant to him. So, Jack, it's all yours. Confirmation is defined as a correspondence to a model or plan. To me, confirmation has meant a lot more. Confirmation here at church introduced me to kids I may have never known, made me start thinking about my own religious journey, and gave me many different perspectives on the Bible. Our confirmation class taught me to accept other people's beliefs and hear them out, even if they went against my own. Whether our class liked meaning or not, confirmation brought us together in a democratic environment, talking about some of the same topics that wars have been fought over. The biggest point of confirmation for many people may be to strengthen their relationship with God or to get membership to the church. But to me, the biggest point I learned was seeing so many different perspectives on the Bible. Terrific. Um, Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate that. Um, We did have a diverse group of kids. Uh, There were eight kids in the confirmation class, and each had their own thoughts and their own ideas. And it was really neat to see those blossom and grow as we spent time together. I explained to the kids that confirmation is the word comes from means to confirm, to stand firm with the promises made at the time of one's baptism. So confirmation is, in a sense, reaffirming one's baptism, whether it's uh, at an older age or as an infant. And two of our confirmands were baptized in the spring leading up to confirmation, and the other six had been baptized as infants. A minister once asked, Can you tell me who made you, Johnny? Well, sir, God made part of me. Part of you? What do you mean? I mean, God made me little. I growed the rest myself. (laughs) Well, although we know there is some truth to that, we also know that we don't totally grow ourselves. There is a lot more that goes into who we are and who we are becoming than merely ourselves. We are given parents. We are given relatives and friends and teachers along with God, all of whom touch our lives in one way or another as they pass it on, whatever the it is that they pass on, be it family values, be it principles, be it core values, be it religious training and values. And much of that touching and influence is done in love. 
Some of you may remember Dr. M. Scott Peck, who wrote the book, The Road Less Traveled. In it, he defines love this way. Love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing another's spiritual growth. Nurturing another's spiritual growth. For those of us who were baptized as infants, and that was me, and I suspect it probably includes quite a number of you, this is precisely what our parents were doing for us when we were baptized. They were nurturing our spiritual growth very early on in life by passing it on. And it's a simple kind of nurturing that happens for those who were not baptized until later in life because of a particular tradition. It doesn't matter whether it's young or older. Some of you may also remember the movie called Tender Mercies. In one poignant scene in that movie, a young boy and his stepfather are baptized. And as they return home from church, the boy notes that he doesn't feel any different. He asks his stepfather if he does, and the answer is filled with confident promise. The stepfather says, not yet. Not yet. But we know from that answer that his, his commitment to a Christian life is going to make a difference. There's a building up that occurs when we pass on the faith from one generation to the next. When we pass it on, in a very real sense, the faith we share is caught more than it's taught. I like that phrase, that the Christian faith is caught more than it's taught. Last Sunday, we baptized an infant, Kalani Alina Duncan. And when we baptize a baby like that and take her in our arms, it's as though we're saying to her, Kalani, we've baptized you and have received you into the church. God loves you and has great plans for your life, but you will need the rest of us to tell you the story. And from time to time to remind you who you are and to keep you in God's family. Some of our members will be special guides to you along your life's journey to assist you as you grow in faith. And all of us promise to adopt you as a sister in Christ. Whether we baptize an infant or someone who is an adult or a teenager, it doesn't matter. We can say the same thing. You are a child of God. There may be times when we need to tell you the story to remind you who you are and that you're part of God's family. But we promise to nurture you and do all that we can for your spiritual growth. That's the commitment we make to each other. That's the commitment we make in baptism. The lifelong response for all of us is the same, no matter what age we're baptized. And whatever age we enter those graceful waters, we emerge rising toward greater light and greater community, needing the love and warmth of God's human family, which is always passing it on. See, one of the things the kids learned in confirmation was they learned from each other, even through their differences. We need each other. We need each other. Because when we see that somebody thinks or believes differently than, than ourselves, 
it challenges us to either think of something we hadn't thought of before or to make an adjustment in what we've preconceived and previously believed. As we explore our confirmation journey, which is, as I said, a reaffirmation of our baptism, our Old Testament text provides a clue, which I want to start with, and it's building up. Building up. That's sort of what confirmation is. That's what life and community and life and faith is, building up. The Lord's quoted in our Jeremiah text, Susie read for us, as saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you and you shall be built. Love's extending and building up continues to each generation. For Paul tells Timothy in verse 5 of the pastoral letter that Lois read, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. See, the faith is passed on. It's a passing on from generation to generation. That's what passing it on is all about. Isn't the reason that you're here this morning because someone or some people cared enough to pass it on for you? Isn't that why you're here? You're not just here out of the blue on your own. You're here because somebody else cared enough to pass it on to you. Confirmation here at the neighborhood church typically happens for a young person in about 8th, ninth, or 10th grade, somewhere along in there. And they are ready to make vows. They make promises and they reaffirm their baptismal vows. And when they profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and want to become a member of this particular party, part of Christ's body. It doesn't mean that they have all the answers. I think Jack would agree with that, right, Jack? You don't have all the answers. But it does mean having a life in faith. It doesn't mean that we're saints, but it means that we want to be in a relationship with Christ. It means wanting to grow in the way and love of our living Lord. So, Paul can say in verse 6, I, am rem- I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of the hands. And if you were here for Confirmation Sunday, you know that we have the tradition of laying on of the hands. It goes all the way back to the early church. It is rekindling and reaffirming the gift which was already given and that began in our baptism. And that gift is the unconditional love and grace of God poured out through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if then faith is like a fire struck in our soul by God, then this image of Paul's rekindling our faith is an important one. There are times when my faith is not as strong as it is at other times. There are times when I don't have the same assurance and warmth I had a number of years ago on my day of confirmation. Perhaps, perhaps you can remember if you were confirmed in a church, you can remember the day you were confirmed, probably not in this church, but in some church. And if you're like me, you probably remember more of a feeling about that particular day than you do the actual words that were spoken. But perhaps you remember some of the things that were said 
and how important it was in your life. In either case, if you remember your confirmation or if you don't, I would dare say it, for those of you who were confirmed, I would say that your confirmation and what happened as a result of it have made a tremendous difference in your life. That kind of not yet. But it was about to happen. Something was about to happen. Now, interestingly, this word rekindle is taken from the Greek anotzuparein, and it means to agitate, to stir up. That's what the word in Greek means, to rekindle. You know, like if you have a fire going in your fireplace or in a fire pit outside and it's kind of dying down, sometimes before you put more wood on the fire, you actually have to take a poker and kind of stir it around, right, to get the embers to start glowing a little more and to get going. That's what rekindle means, to stir it up, to agitate, to move things around, to shake things up a little bit. The assumption is that the fire is not completely dead, but it does need to be stirred. Much the way, as I say, that we would with a fire. Now, I grew up in a church youth group, and we did singing in our group. And one of my favorite songs is the song, Pass It On, from which the sermon title came this morning. We're going to actually sing as an affirmation to the sermon this morning, we're actually going to sing that song, pass it on. But let me just read a few of the words of the text. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, and soon all those around will warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love, once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. I want my world to know the Lord of love has come to me, I want to pass it on. Passing it on. Building up. We start by being built up. All that nurturing that brings us to a place of being stirred up. When the spark takes hold, which is when we are ready to act on our faith and be confirmed and to join the church. So building up and stirring up they lead to the final movement, which is offering up. Offering up our praise to God and our lives in service. That's the response in confirmation. That's the response for each one of us. So here again from Paul. Do not be ashamed then of testifying to our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but take your share of suffering for the gospel and the power of God. Follow the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He's talking about passing it on. He was passing it on because it was passed on to him. And then others were touched by Paul in the early church, and they began to pass it on. And so the church began to grow. To affirm the promises of our confirmation is to offer up our praise and our lives to God, to pass on what's been passed on to us. It is to say through what we share and how we live that Jesus Christ is not only at the center for us, but that Christ is at the center of our world. The great German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, put it this way in his book, Ethics. The new person lives in the world like any other. Often there is little to distinguish that person from the rest, nor does that one attach importance to distinguishing him or herself. 
but only to distinguishing Christ for the sake of others. Distinguishing Christ for the sake of others. And then the medical missionary, who is such a great example, Albert Schweitzer, he knew what it was to offer up his life in service as a result of his confirmation and passing on the gift. Because during the last 52 years of his life, Schweitzer fed, housed, and treated an average of 1,000 natives a day in Africa. On his 30th birthday, he kept a promise he had made to himself to give up preaching. He was a trained theologian and preacher. He gave up music. He was a classically trained organist and very proficient at that. And he was a physician. And he gave up those other things to go do medical missionary work in order to spend the rest of his life in service to others. Now, ours may not be as dramatic or as impressive as Schweitzer's in terms of what we offer up. Yet, even in the simplest life, the implications of the promises made at confirmation and as part of being in Christ church are far-reaching. Building up, stirring up, and offering up as we pass it on. Building up, which is all those people and events along with God's prompting presence in our lives, leads to stirring up, which includes confirmation and a reaffirmation or rekindling of our confirmation, going all the way back to God's incredible love, which was present at our baptism, and that leads to offering up our praise, and our lives in service to God. Now, perhaps remembering your confirmation or that of a family member's or perhaps this service has helped you to reaffirm your confirmation. As one final way to reaffirm and rekindle the gift, let us, in closing, hear the questions and the promises that are shared when young persons join the church. And let these words and their implications reaffirm your own confirmation this day and in the days ahead. So on Confirmation Sunday, after listing the names of each of our young people, and so in a sense, you could put your name in there too. I'll put in David Young, you put your name in. The question is asked, will you love the Lord your God? with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself? And the response is, I will with God's help. Do you confess your faith in Christ as Lord and Savior? Yes, yes, I confess my faith. Do you promise according to the grace given you always to remain a faithful member of the church? of our Lord Jesus Christ, to come to the Lord's table, to love and serve God among all people, and to bear witness to the risen Lord working in the world, I promise. And then the congregation, all of us together, as the people of God, say, we covenant with the Lord and with one another and bind ourselves in the presence of God to live together in all God's ways as revealed to us through God's word of truth.
Thanks be to God, who through others and through divine love and presence builds us up, stirs us up, so that we can offer up our praise and our lives in service as together we continue this journey of passing it on.